And yes, and good morning. We are glad that you are here with us at Dorisville Baptist Church. And we are glad to have you guys on Facebook joining us on the radio. And for the ones, of course, here in the room, thank you so much for coming today. And boy, I will just tell you this right now. We've already had a great first service. Uh, God was so good. The worship was good. Again, right now, these songs were so powerful. And we're just looking forward to see what God's going to do in our services today. Now, we are smack dab in the middle of our worship series, um, Graves into Gardens. And it occurred to me, often this happens when I'm doing a series, um, all of a sudden, like about two or three weeks in, I'll get the bigger picture of what it's all about. And I really think the bigger picture of what it's all about with this series is the miracles of God. Now, we often associate miracles with the New Testament, but we want to look at and see what God is doing week by week, miracles in our lives. We're going to take historical context and we're going to bring it into 2021 um, into our lives and see what God is doing. Now, one of my favorite lines in the song is, Jesus, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing. And when we start really believing that, when he's better than whatever the world offers, um, whatever our friends can offer, whatever, what anything else can offer, that there's nothing better than God, it really changes our perspective. But also the tagline of our series is, we are spe- celebrating the goodness of the only one who can. And that's what's great about miracles is that they're things that only God can do. Now, the sermon title is a little odd, uh, but that's not too uncommon, all right? Uh, last week was So Long Andy, so there you go. But anyway, so we've got Between the Rock and a Wet Place. Now, you've all heard about being between a rock and a hard place, and that simply means this. You've got two um, seemingly impossible situations, and you find yourself in the middle of them, whether you go this way, you lose, whether that way, you lose. And that's really what the nation of Israel is going to experience today And then God does something big. And then God does something big. And the idea is, and showed up for them, and it'll show up for us, it's between the rock, capital, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the wet place, which represents the Red Sea. And what would normally be an end of something is simply just a brand new beginning. So we want to look today and see how God works and the miracles that he performs. We want to start out, um, and again, if you've got your smart device, I hope you've got it open, and you can follow along the sermon there under events. Um, But we want to start out with a couple of great quotes and then a great scripture. And then we're going to jump into Exodus chapter 14 and a great story from the word um, of God. The first one uh, comes from Hans Christian Hans, if you want, Hans Christian Andersen. And I stumbled onto this and I went, oh my gosh, that is so good. And so here's what he says. He says, the whole world is a series of miracles. Now, I hope if you're a Jesus follower that you can amen that, that you go along with that, that there are miracles everywhere. You know, one of the things I'm looking forward to in heaven, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, I want to spend time talking to Jesus, and I want to see Peter and talk to him, and, you know, but one of the great things I know is going to take place in heaven is that we're finally going to see all, now listen, all the miracles that God did for us that we didn't even know anything about. I cannot wait to see what, from eternity and that perspective, all that God has done for me. And see, the greatest miracle, you know, it says the world is a series of miracles. The greatest miracle is one that just glosses over us, and that is our salvation. You know, the last song 
that we sang, although the word miracle is never mentioned in that song, it's all about the miracle of salvation. You know, you know the Bible says, you know, obviously, that, that Jesus was sent and took on human form, lived a sinless life, and died on a Roman cross because the wages for sin was death. We were broken, and we were separated from God, and then religion couldn't fix us, good habits couldn't fix us, nothing could fix us. So God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins that we could have forgiveness of sins when we're willing to put our faith and trust in him and then willing to turn from our sin. And that's the greatest miracle of all. And here's the deal. Each one of us who are Jesus followers have experienced that. Can you say amen? You know, you know, that, see, that should fire us up. But it's, what, it's exactly what he talks about. The whole world is a series of miracles, but... We're so used to them, we call them ordinary things. You know, you know, if I was to stand up today and say, hey, we had a friend we prayed for, and they were healed from, healed from cancer, oh my goodness, the room would erupt, and we would clap and say yes. But when we talk about our salvation, the old rugged cross and our salvation, we don't erupt in applause because too often the greatest miracle simply becomes ordinary things. You know, it's amazing that, that when the Bible talks about heaven and a person getting saved, you know, it doesn't say, you know, anything else that causes applause in heaven, but when a person gets saved. When, when a sinner comes home in repentance, heaven erupts in applause. Why? It's the greatest miracle there is. And that's why we need to celebrate our own salvation. That's, you know, worship does a lot of things. Obviously, first, it points us to God and should draw our attention to God, but it should cause us to celebrate what God has done for us. I personally believe, I do believe that He's right. The whole world is just a series of miracles. When I look at the face of a newborn baby, when I see, you know, um, I was watching this morning, I see last night, uh, Disney Plus, and it's something called growing up animals and they take a, a baby animal of a different species different species and they actually show pictures of the animal in the womb and and how the animal grows in the womb and then then it's born and how the mother you know life is a miracle life is a miracle and every little baby from conception from conception is a wonderful and great miracle so life is a series of miracles but we're so used to them all we do is call them Ordinary. I think Elizabeth Barrett Browning had this in mind. And this is just, again, boy, about 15 years ago, I stumbled into this quote. And it's been a part of my teaching periodically uh, throughout that time. Here's what she says. She says that earth is crammed, earth's crammed with heaven. And every common bush of fire with God. Now, she's obviously alluding to the burning bush and Moses. Now, you remember that part of the story. And since we're talking about him today, it ties in nicely. So, so Moses was on the backside of the desert, okay? He's out in the middle of nowhere. And, and boy, God has this bush that's burning. And what's unusual is the bush is not burning up, okay? So, so he goes, I must turn aside and see what this is. And so he goes there, and God uses the bush to get his attention and then speaks to him and gives him a commission. See, sometimes God puts us on the backside of the desert and then gives us a burning bush so he can get our attention. Because he wants to do and use us to his work and his mighty miracles. So, so earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush is a fire with God. Well, Dwayne, is that true? Well, in Psalm 24 and verse number 1, the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to God. So yes, yes, Elizabeth Bear Browning, you're absolutely correct. And watch this. And only he who sees takes off his shoes. 
See, it, it would be no good if Moses was walking along, okay, and A, A, didn't see the burning bush, or B, ignored the burning bush, history would be different. But he saw the burning bush, and he was drawn to the burning bush to see what it was. We've got to be drawn to the miracles of life. We've got to be drawn, again, to our own salvation. Never let the miracle of God's grace grow cold. Never lose the wonder of God's amazing grace. Because she says, and she's right, if Moses hadn't seen, only he who sees takes off his shoes. And again, that's alluded to, to Moses when he got there and God says, Hey, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Only the person who chooses, only the person who chooses to see the miracles of God and takes off his shoes experiences it. You see, the amazing is reserved for the worshipers. The amazing, see, if not, it becomes common things. We go to church, we sing a few songs, we hear a message, we go home, we even get up in the morning, we do our quiet time, and we get up and we go to work. If we really want to experience God and experience what God has for us in this world, we've got to pause and we've got to take our shoes off because of holy ground and then, and then watch and see what God is going to do. I'm telling you it's true. I'm telling you it's true. We, my goal today, if I can somehow convince us to leave this building not with ordinary thoughts of God, but with extraordinary thoughts of God, God can do a mighty work in our lives and in our church. If we don't, if we don't, I love what she words this. The ones who don't see, the ones who because they don't see, don't take off their shoes, oh, they sit around the bush and pluck black. God has not called His people to be blackberry pluckers. God has called us to be a part of His work in this world that so desperately needs the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a verse. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. Again, Habakkuk was a minor prophet to the nation of Israel. And what he says is to the nation of Israel, but we can draw truth from it very clearly. He says this. In fact, this verse is on our wall out in our mission hallway. Look, he says... God says, look at the nations and watch. Look, but watch. Look and be focused. Look and focus. Look and focus. Look and see. And when you do, you're going to be utterly amazed. I know, I know, I know. You know, 2020, 2021, the world the way it is, the frustration with the culture and all those different things, you feel anything but utterly amazed. But you see, I want you to see today is that what God is doing, he's setting up to do a mighty work. That's why he says, look, look, look at the nations. Yeah, you say, Dwayne, I look at the world and I don't like what I see. You know, look at the nations. Watch, focus on it. But Dwayne, I don't like what I see when I watch. God says, hang on, hang on. You're going to be utterly amazed. Because God is poised to do some incredible... Oh, I'm going to say something in the second first service. God is poised to do some incredible end times work. We're further down this clock than we've ever been before. The clock is ticking down, and we are clicking down that path. We're going down that path. So so be utter amazed. I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe. And what if if this passage, what if those days are these days? What What if God is preparing to do His greatest work in our lives, and what if God is preparing to do His greatest works in the life of His church, and what if God is preparing to do the greatest work ever in this world? 
In this world, I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. So rather than be frustrated and rather than say, yeah, but, but this and yeah, that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Look, look at the nations and watch and be able to amazed. Listen, I'm going to do something. You, know, you had a VBS theme. Do something. God agrees with you. He said, I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe. And that was the problem. That was the problem with Israel. They had a hard time believing that God was going to do something. We have a hard time believing. See, the reason why we're so active doing things that really don't have anything to do with God, we're just doing, is because we don't understand that God, if we'll just take our hands off the pot, He'll do something. He wants to do something. We've got to get our hands out of His kitchen and let Him cook. And let him cook. So let me tell you a story. I, I told the first service, and I'll tell you, I asked God to help me um, not to run when I should walk. To, to be slow today. To, to take time and, and explain what he's explaining to me and try to give to you today um, these truths. So we need to start with the nation of Israel. You know, they, they went into Israel, excuse me, they went into Egypt as a family. I mean, a large family, but they went in as a family. And over the decades, and what turned into centuries, the fam- this family grew into a nation, okay? And in fact, it became, listen, a nation of slaves. And honestly, it's hard for us to imagine, but you've got to understand, because of the situation, and they didn't pass on the, the truth of God, slowly this nation of slaves kind of forgot God. God became more of a myth and a story Okay, that he was a real God. Does that ring a bell with you? See, if we're not careful, we're going to be practical atheists, and that is the people who say we believe in God but live like we don't. You know, that's what's happened in our country and around the world in Christian nations. It's a great danger that we say we believe in God but then turn around and live like there is no God. And so it's important. So, so this had happened to them. They were a slave nation, and they really had forgot all that God had done in their past. They had forgot the God of, of Jacob and Isaac. They forgot God in that way. All they knew was, I'm a slave. I was a slave when I woke up this morning. I'm a slave when I go to bed. And if I wake up tomorrow, I'll still be a slave. That was their life. And then God sends Moses... Into the picture. He shows up and, you know, and tells, tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And, of course, the people are going, mm, don't, don't stir the pot here, Moses. Don't stir the pot. And, and so, you know, after a series of plagues, finally Pharaoh says, okay. And he lets the people go. And it's just an incredible story because, you know, they got involves, you know, blood on the doorpost and involves the Egyptians giving them booty, okay, you know, jewels and gold and sends them on their way. It's an incredible story. Well, they get out there, and there's over a million of them now, and they, they get out into the desert, okay, and they had this um, mantra for living that kind of went like the Cold Stone menu. Okay, how many of y'all been to Cold Stone? Okay, the rest of you guys need to go. If you like ice cream, you need to go. It's really, really good ice cream, and then, then they can add stuff to it that makes it better.
better, okay? So you got good ice cream, and then you put stuff in it. We went last Sunday afternoon to, to do something in Paducah. The kids live there now. We ended up at Coldstone. And Paul got the privilege of tasting everybody's ice cream, you know. And there was like gummy bears and sprinkles and coconut and almonds, all kind of things um, in there. It's really good. Now, here's how they do their sizing menu, okay? Here's, here's how it works at Coldstone. The small size, okay, which is about five ounces, by the way, I found out, about five ounces ice cream, that's called like it. So if you, if you like ice cream, you get that size. I like it. Then there's a middle size, and they increase up to like seven or eight ounces, okay? And that's called love it. You love it. Then, if you're really into ice cream, okay, you move up to the gotta have it, okay? So we have like, we have love, and we have gotta have it. And that is kind of what the nation of Israel did. You go, huh, Dwayne, how does that tie in? Well, here's the deal. The nation of Israel, um, if things were going good, okay, it was a Tuesday, you know, and my Tuesday went well, things went good. There was food to eat, there was water to drink. You know, things went pretty good. At days like that, they would say, I like it. I like God. God, I like you today. But sometimes things went incredible. Sometimes things just went awesome, okay? Then they would move up to love it. Hey, God, I moved from liking you to loving you. And then, and then, when things were really, really good, they would move up to the gotta have it. Wouldn't it be cool if we lived this way, but we didn't do the like and we didn't love, that every day we woke up and all we could say to God, God, gotta have you, gotta have you. I don't want to go anywhere today without you. Gotta have you. Well, here's the bad part. They decided in their cold stone menu to add another category. And that was... When things didn't go good. And so they had like it. They had love it. They had got to have it. And then they had, it's all your fault, God. They blamed God. They blamed God. And you know what's sad? Is that we, Jonathan, we do the same thing. You know, if if things are going well in our life, yeah, we, we like you, God. And boy, when things are going really good, we get the pay raise. Our kids don't have to have braces. And we have a job. We get to buy a new car. Things are good. Oh, God, we love you. It's great. And then sometimes, like it's like Christmas morning every day, oh, God, we just got to have you. But man, as soon as things go south, as soon as things just don't add up the way we want, Culture goes south. Politics goes south. Things go south. We want to blame God. It's all your fault, God. It's all your fault. And that was the mantra throughout the history of Israel. Well, things did go south. They're marching along, and and they could have gone, in about three weeks, they could have ended up in the land of Canaan. It was a straight shot. But God actually said in His Word, I didn't send them that way because it probably would have meant war and they weren't ready for war, so he took them the long way. Has God ever sent you the long way? Have you ever had something in your life? It just was crystal clear. It was crystal clear to you. God, this is what you need. We love to tell God what he needs to do. God, this is what you need to do. It's crystal clear and it doesn't happen. And again, we get fired up. God, why'd you not all this? God, why didn't you do this? Well, it happened, and they went the long way, and they ended up by the Red Sea. Now, this is the rock in the hard place. They weren't, they weren't 
army-type people. They weren't military people. They were a slave nation. They didn't have a government. They didn't have really anything. And so here they are, and they're backed up to the Red Sea. You know, I, I go to Panama City to be by the sea, okay? I like that, but I'm not under threat. So here's this one million people, and they're camping next to the Red Sea. And it doesn't take too much of a strategician to look and say, you know what? If, just if, if an enemy showed up, there would be no way to go. And somebody's already thinking, going, this looks like a rock and a hard place to me. Okay? What are we going to do? This is not a good place to camp. Now, their worst fear is about to come true. But before we found out the worst fear, then, then let, me, let me share this with you. Why did God put them by the Red Sea? Well, it, you know, he hadn't set them up that in case an enemy, show, an enemy shows up, that he was not positioning them for defeat. He wasn't even positioning them that there was going to be a battle and they had to bite the battle from the lesser position. What does he set them up for? A miracle. A miracle. And what we have got to realize as people is that when things don't seem right, when, when things seem to go south, when, when you're saying, God, what are you doing? Okay? You're looking from the perspective of, God just set me up for defeat. He doesn't ever set you up for defeat. You know, God's, God set me up for a, a battle that, that I'll probably lose. God doesn't set you up for battles you're going to lose. Maybe, just maybe, God is setting you up for a miracle. See, see, you don't, you don't know this. You, you don't believe it. You know, maybe God's allowing the culture to be what it is today because he's about to do a miracle. Yeah. See, see, without the Red Sea, without the rock in a hard place, there could be no miracle. There could be no miracle. So maybe, just maybe, God, listen, I don't know what's on your life. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know the difficulty you're facing. I don't know how hard it is. But think this. Maybe God's setting you up. For a miracle. In fact, I'm going to be something bold. I'm going to tell you that God wants to do a miracle in your life. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, I've got cancer and God's going to help me. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I know the end of the story and God wins. And in the end, we win. Okay? We may not get, may not get the miracle that we want here, but we'll get the miracle there. Okay? So, so don't lose sight of that. So here we are. We're up against the Red Sea. Like I say, somebody's saying, you know, this just does not seem like a good idea. And then it happens. Let's look at Exodus chapter 14, verse number 10. So the Bible says, as, here it is, worst case scenario, Pharaoh's changed his mind. Here he comes. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. Now, let's pause there, okay? Here's the deal. To, to verify his presence with the nation of Israel, during the day, there was a pillar of cloud, okay? And at night, there was a pillar of fire. And when they saw the cloud and they saw the fire, they knew God was with them. In other words, they had their eye on the things of God, okay? Well, in verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and to look up, they took their eyes off the things of God. 
They looked off the thing. They took their eyes off the things that showed them the presence of God. The pillar of fire and the cloud. They looked up and when they took their eyes off of that, what did they see? They saw trouble. They saw defeat. They saw the enemy. They saw death. See, it's so important we keep our eyes on the things of God. So they looked up and there were the Egyptians coming after them. And the Israelites were terrified. Terrified. And they cried out to the Lord for help. There's a difference, that word cry, there's a difference kind of crying. You hear it, and we hear it too often used in a blasphemous way when people cry and say, oh God. Yet when people cry out in faith, it's more like the hymn, how great thou art. Oh Lord, my God. Well, they weren't crying out, oh Lord, my God. They cried out in fear. And there is a difference when we cry out to God. In fear. So what's our teaching point? The approach of the impossible. And I wrote this, and I don't like that word. And I can't find up with a better word. But maybe that's good, because maybe you can put a word in there in your life. What are you facing right now that seems disastrous? What are you facing right now that seems very difficult? It may be a health issue. It may be a marriage gone south. It may be a broken heart. It may be a wayward child. It may maybe the craziness of culture is constantly on your mind. I don't know. You, you, you put your word in there. You, you find the word. The approach of the impossible will elicit one of two responses. Okay? The first response is a choice between faith or fear. Faith or fear. And the second one is, and they tie together, is panic or peace. Panic or peace. And guess what? Which one depends entirely on you? When the, when the Israelites looked up, they saw this impossible odds army. And again, keep in mind, they've been slaved for 400 years. They still were working out their faith in God. Their natural response was fear and panic. Fear and panic. What's your response? I really believe that part of 2020 was a test for two things. A test for you as believers, and a test for the church. I really think that. I really do. You know, God allowed, God didn't sin, God allowed COVID to come in, and it tested our faith. Did it not? Did it not? It really did. And it tested churches, okay? And how well we did, how you did as an individual, and how the church did, well, depended entirely on us. On us. So here they look up, and there is the army coming in. And so their response was not good. Remember I told you, when things are good, I like God. When things are great, I love God. When things are incredible, uh, you know, I can't get enough of you, God. But when things go south, they blame God. And we blame God. I've seen lots of believers, faithful in church believers, who lose their faith over a crisis. Well, in verse number 11, okay, so they said to Moses, now, now keep in mind, see where it says, why did you, they were talking to Moses, but trust me, that's a plural you. Okay? It's you and God. It's you and God. God God's under, the, you know, Moses is under the bus, God's under the bus. So they said, why did you bring us out here 
to die in the wilderness. See, God's plan was deliverance from slavery, but because of their fear factor, all they could see is, God, why did you bring us out here to die? Now, the amazing thing is, is, you know, they experience the, the uh, blood on the lintel, you know, of the doorpost, the Passover, and all the firstborn of Egypt died, but the ones who put their, you know, faith in the blood, you know, they were not. They, they watched how the Egyptians said, here, take all my treasures and leave. How God had watched over them up to this point, all of that. See, what happens is, if we're not careful, fear has a way of erasing the greatness of God. Fear has a way of erasing the greatness of God. God has done incredible things, but boy, when things go south, we all of a sudden forget just how good he was. Um, why, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Hey, you know, the Egyptians were doing a pretty good job. You know, thousands of us died every day, either from accidents or starvation or health issues. We were dying pretty good um, in Egypt. So, so, so weren't there enough graves there? Did, did you come? Did you bring us out to the wilderness for the world's largest cemetery? Is that really what you did? And he goes, what have you done? Circle this word if you've got your Bible. Why have you, what have you done to us? And keep in mind, trust me, that's plural. Hey, what have you and God done to us? Well, let me tell you a truth that you need to write down. God doesn't do to you. God does for you. God does not do to you. He does for you. You know, didn't James say every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above? Every good, he's a good God. He's a good father. And I'm telling you, he's writing a story for you that's good. They couldn't see this. Fear had so twisted their present reality, they couldn't see it. What are you doing to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? We, we were content. We were content. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Were they content? The story's written there in, in the Bible to read how cruel the taskmasters were. How cruel the taskmasters were. Write this down. Write this down. Um, Pain and fear adds to the glitter of the past. Pain and fear adds glitter to the past. In other words, when your present situation is fearful, you look back to the past and go, that was better. And so they're out here and out in their wilderness. They're backed up against the sea. Here comes the Pharaoh and all his things. They're going to die in their opinion. Their fear has just twisted their present reality. And, and they're going, you know what? Egypt looked pretty good. Egypt looked great. I know we have a saying in the Air Force, and probably a lot of preachers will also grab a hold of this. But, but back in the Air Force, you know, we would, we would get assigned, reassigned, and we would leave. You know, when we're here, we'd go, boy, I don't like this assignment. Boy, I don't like this job. Boy, I don't like this commander. Boy, I don't like this. And then we got a new assignment, and we stayed there a few months, and for long we're going, my best base was the last base. I wish I had the past again. Well, that's exactly what is happening here. Why did you make us leave Egypt? We liked Egypt. We loved Egypt. No. Your fears just put a little glitter on a bad situation. That's all. Let me tell you something. When your stinking, rotten past begins to look good, watch out. You are being lied to by the devil. Be careful. 
Be careful. Be careful. So in verse number 12, didn't we tell, didn't we tell you this would happen? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? Now, again, if you're a note taker, I want you to circle this. See that word this? What's your this? See, this for Israel was one thing, and this for God was another. Why didn't we tell you this would happen? For the Israelites, in their panic and in their fear, and because of their slave mentality, okay, this was death. This was bondage. This was dying. This is no good. But to this, didn't we tell you? You know what God's this was? Freedom. You know what God's this was? A miracle. A deliverance. It was a, it was a miracle that they would talk about for the rest of their lives and for centuries to come. What is your this? What is going on in your life right now that from your perspective is negative, it's damning, it's, it's, it's destructive? And what is it from God's perspective? See, I know you're not going to... You are not going to agree with me. But what if even COVID, our 2020, 21, 22 perspective, whatever, however long this mess goes on, what if we look at it as, oh my, and God's going to do a miracle. What if he brings revival to America through, through this? What if his this? What if his this brings revival? What, is, what if this this results in thousands of people being saved? What, what, if, what if this this increased your faith? What if, what if you were in one position, you're going, well, I, you know, me and God were not too cozy before COVID, but because of COVID and its difficulties, we got pretty cozy. What if? What does this this look like for you? Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. I wonder if we ever said that to God. Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. I am glad to tell you something. That God loves you too much to leave you alone. One of my, one of my brothers here at the church, Donnie Billman, many times have prayed either, A, God, bother us. Or if we're praying for someone, God, bother them. I'm glad, God. God loved us too much for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm glad God bothered enough for the cross. He, could just, he just couldn't leave us the way we were. Leighton Ford, a Presbyterian minister, said this, God loves us the way we are, but too much to leave it that way. God loves us too much or loves us the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. Let us be slaves in Egypt. It's better, you've got to get this. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Okay, now, in practical terms, often that's only choices there are. 
in, in their case, in their case, they the best the best option, the best outcome, the best outcome would have been okay. They're going to capture us and take us back to be slaves. Okay. Worst case is they're going to come in and in their anger they're going to kill us. Well, since a and I don't agree with this, but being a slave is better than being dead, then we'll take being a slave. And the deal is, what they, now listen, what they didn't realize was there's a third choice. See, in human terms, it's not. You know, the virgin said, you know, how can these things be? See, I know not a man. And the angel said, hey, with God, all things are possible. So here's the Red Sea. They're between a rock and a hard place. Here's the Red Sea. Here's the the bad guys. They're in the middle. There's only two outcomes. We're either going to be slaves again or we're going to die. And God says, now wait a minute. There's a third option. I can go to battle for you and you leave here free. Free. See, See, God didn't save me or you to be slaves. Amen. He saved us to be free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And, and regardless of the circumstances, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Let, let's be slaves. No, no, no. It's better to be a slave. Yeah, yeah, but there's a third choice. And that's recognizing that God is on your side. Is on your side. Well, teaching point. Five questions. These five questions and the one closing statement clearly show the power of fear to twist our present reality. I mean, I'm telling you, we've got to be careful of this. You know, when, when fear is big and massive in front of us, it twists our present reality. They knew what God had done already, and yet they were filled with fear. And you know, you can look back. Come on, come on, come on. You can look back. You saw God. What? You've seen what God did. You've seen the miracles. You look back. If you were to go back and read your story and say, oh, I forgot about that one. Oh, I forgot about that one. Oh, I forgot about that one. You've seen that. But like I say, fear will twist our present reality. It will make God seem less than our troubles and trials and afflictions. Well, in verse 13b, he continues... Okay, and says this, you know, the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Now, there's more there in practical truth. And it's, I mean, it is as it stands. Moses is speaking and says, hey, hey, the Egyptians you see today, I know, I know, I know. Red Sea over here. Yeah, I got that. Over here. Look, look, see the Egyptians? I see them too. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. See, there's the present. The Egyptians you see today. There was going to be a present day deliverance. They were going to be delivered from the Egyptians that day. But there's something bigger. And we need the bigger. The other bigger thing is, you're never going to see them again. The whole bunch. For us, let me, let me bring that down to us. See, he's going to wipe out the Egyptians. The threat's going to be gone. But let's bring it home to us. The enemy you see today, 
Okay, we have enemies today, but our God is a delivering God. He is greater than any enemy. So today, present day, you know, God is greater than our enemies. But, but, but there's coming a time where they'll never be seen again. There's a present day, God walks with me through the valley of the shadow of death. There's a present day, but there's an eternal day. There is coming a time when Satan's going to be cast into the lake of fire. All his demons will be cast into the lake of fire. And there'll be no sickness. And there'll be no sorrow. And there'll be no pain. And there'll be no suffering. So not only do we have present day help, we've got to never be seen again help. God wins in the end. Now we need that. Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Sometimes we don't see the miracle here, do we? You're right, Dwayne. I pray for my little girl to be saved. Or, or healed, and she died. I prayed for my marriage to be saved, and I lost it. I prayed for me to avoid bankruptcy, and there was just no way. So not all the miracles that we want happen here. Many do. But there's coming a day when all that will be in the past. What did God say? Brent, didn't God say something about, I'm making all things new? Come on, all things new. You can believe and you can trust this mighty God. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. And I love, these, I love this translation, this New Living Translation, because it says, just be calm. How can I be calm? Over here is a massive ocean. Over here is the enemy. Be calm. Uh, yeah. Because one thing... <laughs> If you want to go back to the book of Revelation, one thing we know for sure is there'll be no more seas. And God's going to take care of this sea. You just haven't seen it yet. Because Moses is going to hold his rod out there and God's going to strong, make a strong east wind come and you're going you're, you're to walk through on dry ground. Amen. Yeah, you can be calm because he's going to make a way. And you already heard these guys over here, he's going to take care of them. They'll never be seen again. So you can be calm. In your world today, we can be calm. Despite the politics, despite the illness, despite the economy, we can be calm. Not because we control it, because we don't, Amen. but because He controls it. Amen. He is sovereign God and He is in control. So if you're here today, maybe this part was for you. Maybe on Facebook, this part's for you. You realize today that you have sinned against Holy God because all of sin against the glory of God. But you realize that God loved you so much, He allowed His Son Jesus to die on a Roman cross that we could have forgiveness of sins. All we have to do is put our faith in Him, turn from our sin, and follow Him. And He becomes our dearest Father. And we become His children. And life isn't perfect, but there's an eternity that is. But he'll walk with you now. You'll never, you'll never walk by yourself. You'll always have him walking with you. So maybe that's, maybe that's what you need today. But I'm hoping that all of us will leave here today with a different perspective of God. That God still does miracles. And you, your salvation is the greatest miracle of all. The greatest miracle of all. That God loved you enough 
to forgive your sins and let you be part of his family. How incredible is that? And we may not get the answer we want here. I'm telling you, look at the book of Revelation. He wins. And because he wins, we win. Believe it. Believe it. See, you weren't created for this world. You're created for the world to come. So don't be surprised if things here are rough. Don't be blaming God because things don't go like you want them to. Just trust Him. There's a better day coming. There's a better day coming. Would you bow your heads, please? Boy, Father, thank you again. Thank you again for allowing me to share these truths. Father, help us to believe these truths. I will pray for my friends out there, either on Facebook or the radio or, or in this room even, that might need to trust you today. We know we're learning to understand and proclaim loudly. It's not about our religion. It's not about keeping rules. It's about relationship with you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us so much. I want to pray, God, that there's someone here who needs forgiveness of their sins, that today would be their day. And, Father, pray for us. Lord, when we look one way and there's the Red Sea and we look the other way and there's the enemy, help us to understand there's the third option and that is you. And that you have come that we might be free. That we can be set free from the bondage of our fear and bondage of our sin and bondage of death. Help us to believe that today. And help us to celebrate the greatest miracle, the miracle of salvation. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.